So you you go on Dr. Phil yeah. with the purpose of sort of coming out, right? I'm I'm this is who I am, man. I, I got a big problem and I need help, right? Yeah. And uh I want to be unlike some of these other guys who they found in hotel rooms and sure. you know, in their cars. You know, I'd lost one of my best friends two years before that. They found him in his car over he was an alcoholic, so he got sober, but then he started taking pills, opiates and stuff. Mm -hmm. And overdosed found him in his car he left behind two kids and a wife and you know mm -hmm. so uh i didn't i didn't want to hide it anymore and die trying to hide it or trying to do it on my own that once all that stuff happened i knew that i was going to have to have help if i really wanted to stop so you're on national television yeah. you're with dr phil the dr phil and um and then that moment comes where he says to you you know I want to offer you some help. Mm -hmm. I want to offer you an opportunity to go to treatment. Tell me about that. It was surreal. It was weird, you know, because I had hoped that that's what would happen, mm. part of me. But the other part of me was scared to death, you know what I'm saying? Because this time was different, really. Yeah. I mean, and you hear alcoholics and addicts say all the time, oh, this time is different. I'm going to do sure. it this time. But there's just something, you know, I, I don't know if... If you had that moment where you yeah, knew prison. that you had taken, yeah, there's a couple times. Yeah. That, those were my moments. So yeah, he offered it, and I took it. Yeah, and I just remember, um, you know, having to go. Oh man, it was the hardest because I leave all the time to do shows. Did you gone. go right from Doctor Phil to treatment? No, no, which that's what they wanted. Sure, but actually, the funny thing is, is that day that the show was filmed was my oldest daughter cadence it was her birthday so we even had a birthday cake back there and mm. you know what i'm saying and i'm like i didn't want to leave her on her birthday yeah, i yeah, knew sure. i was gonna go but i'm like i'm not gonna leave my family absolutely right here in la yeah, yeah. i'm gonna go home spend a couple of days with them talk to my wife make sure she's okay with it because you know when it happens on tv it's a whole different kind of thing which we're not suggesting to people to go home and do all that stuff. Yeah, it worked out for you. Yes. But generally, when the opportunity presents itself, yes. the last thing you want to do is go home. Just go to treatment and yeah. get yourself right. For sure. Yeah. For sure. So you went home for a couple of days. Yeah. And did you, did you have that conversation with your kids? Like, daddy's going to get help? Or did you just, you were just going off on the road? They no, didn't I really told know. them. I talked to them. Right. Wow. I, I talked to them. And yeah. Ask them what they thought and if it would be okay and what they wanted. And of course, they wanted it. Sure. <sighs> yeah. So, what I was saying earlier about when you don't love yourself enough to want to live or move forward, there's other people that, you know, my daughters, man. That was. Yeah, man. Yeah. Sorry, guys. That's right. No, please, brother, let it go. This is what we call the safe zone. Yeah, that Do your and thing, man. Yeah, the, the fact that my wife had 
hung in there with me all those years. And she told me before I left, she was like, that's the reason why I'm still with you after all the shit that you've put me through with this because I've seen that other guy and you need to go do whatever you have to do to protect us and yourself from that other guy. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like she said, if I didn't know that it was in you and I didn't know what kind of person you were, I would have left you a long time ago. But she knew that I wanted to get right. So, uh, it was just a combination of things, man. Like, also what it let me know was getting clean and sober was more important to me than the fame. Like, at that point, those weeks before I went in, I didn't care whether people saw me as this screwed up, you know, lead vocalist, color me bad, the whole con- the thing. Oh, none of that meant mm. anything to me. Nothing. Life got real. Life got real. Yeah, man. Yeah, and so... Um, the priority became getting myself right. And I learned a lot of things, man. I learned that I just, there was, I, you know, not to take away from the music because I love music. I love writing. I love performing. But I was in a rut. We were continuing to do these songs that were the same songs that we had been doing in the 90s. And we were going up and we were performing and doing these shows, putting money in our pockets and going home and for a while, the money and being able to provide for my family was enough. But then there came a time where I just felt shallow. Yeah, I just felt like, what am I giving back? What am I doing? Mm. Singing these old songs in front of a bunch of people that are out there smoking weed and drinking and popping pills. Yeah, and I'm not, I'm not doing them a damn bit of good. Right. You know, I wanted to be able to do more. You know, when I laid my head down at night, I wanted to feel like I had done something more with what God had given me, you know, because he blessed us and put us, I mean, we're from Oklahoma city, man, yeah. you know, country music, yeah. you know, they're known for their country music. There wasn't a lot of R and B hip hop, hip hop, doo-wop, any of those yeah, type yeah. of groups coming sure. out of Oklahoma. Um, but I just felt like there was something else I was supposed to do, but I couldn't start moving in that direction until I helped myself. I remember our, our conversation. Know right? So going. you, so you called me and and uh, and you were obviously very open about your situation and where you were at and that you were, um, you know, you were newly home from treatment. You were clean, really for the first time, and and you wanted to serve. You wanted to help. You wanted to. You you knew that I was sort of doing this thing, and yeah. uh, and I and, was like, ooh, and I was like. I would wish I could tell you this. That's the first time somebody called me that was famous, right? Either currently or at one time was famous and wanted that had that desire on their heart, right? Which and I and I knew when I was talking to you that it was a true desire, yeah. right? That you really that's who you are inside. You you want to help people, right? But I think our conversation was real, like the same conversation I was having with anyone else in that circumstance was, brother, first you got to take care of yourself, Yeah. right? You got to do you, right? You got to build a foundation, right? You got to get some some tools, right? And some some skills to live, yeah. right? Cause, Surround yourself with the yeah. right people. Because we got to learn how to, we have to learn how to be clean, 
right? You've got to learn how to do that. People don't, people that you think they don't understand addiction, you think they don't understand the disease itself, but they really don't understand recovery, right? It's like we got to learn how to live a day at a time without using, right? All over again. You got to learn all, how to live and for, all over And again. for some of us, the first time. I mean, mm-hmm. I went, I was, for, for the entire 80s, I was in and out of prison, in and, uh, in and out of homelessness, like just a complete train wreck, right? So I was really learning for the first time, right? How to just get through a day and not have to use, right? Mm. That didn't mean I didn't want to use many days, even especially like, so I got sober in prison and then I got out, right? And you asked about that moment, right? That one moment. I know exactly what that moment was, right? Uh, Mother Teresa came to the prison I was in, right? Crazy, right? You think about it. God sent his number one assistant to the prison I was in and put her in front of me on her knees, surrounded by murderers and rapists and all kinds of criminals. And, um, and I saw love for the first time in my life. I really, I saw the face of God right there, right? And it wasn't a white light experience like I'm going to be fine from now on. Because I had already been doing stuff. I had already been going to different types of meetings and going to therapy, but it was really all to create an illusion, right? Because I had, I had one goal, get out of prison. Yeah. That was my goal, right? And so I had to, and I already had did, I already did a stretch and I did it bad. It was like every day in the hole, crazy. And so I said, now I got to do it this way because I just want to get out. And I didn't want to do nine years. If I did nine years, I was going to be over 30. I was going to be prehistoric, right? <laughs> I'll be a senior citizen. So I was completely full of shit. And then that happened. That I, I had that experience, and something in me changed. Something in me changed on that day. And I think that a, a big part of what changed in me was that I knew that if this was going to work for me, that God had to be a big part of it. And that, and that I needed to learn more about that. And I need to try to do more to have that relationship be real for me. And, um, you know, I, I came out of prison and it was like, you know, when you came home from rehab, right? You're in rehab, you're getting clean, you're, you're, you're putting some days together, you're feeling better, you're feeling stronger, you're with a whole bunch of people that are in the same boat. And then you go home from there and it's like, Drop, getting dropped off in another country, yeah. right? <laughs> it was like, or in another planet, which was really what it was like for me, was I came home from prison, clean and sober, and thank God I had at least some of those tools, right? But now it's like I'm, I'm out here in the world with all these people that uh, are just living their lives, and they're being sober, but they weren't just locked in a cage, right? It's a different that isolation and all that stuff. Yeah. Similar to being in treatment, I guess, because you're away. You're away from the yeah, world. You're safe away from all the temptation yeah. and there's people around you to support you, whether it be people that have, you know, that are in there for the same reasons or your counselors or sure. whatever in that. And then you've got to jump out in the real world again and things aren't perfect either. Yeah. When you get out. How long have you been clean? Uh, I will be six months on the 12th. Six months on the 12th. Yeah. Wow. 
So which is more than I've had in 20 years, man. So again, you know, we talk about the people who don't understand this thing, right? Mm -hmm. Like six months to the normal people is like, yeah, six months. Yeah. Right. No, six months is yeah, like, that's not are you kidding? That's no alcohol. That's no pills. Yeah. That's no marijuana maintenance program. Yeah. That's Tylenol, maybe. Sorry. And what does that mean? We have to leave the building? I don't, I think Rick and them are going to be here for a while, right? Can somebody find out? Can you get text? So. I mean, six months, like a day, is a miracle when you can't get through a day without a drink or a drug, right? One day is a miracle, right? Six months is, is unbelievable, right? But again, I think, so I've been clean and sober for a long time now, longer than I drank and used drugs now, right? Uh, I recently celebrated 31 years, right? Yeah, but check it out. Came in completely full of shit, just running game, just trying to catch a parole, right? Had that experience with Mother Teresa and then just started to have the thought start to creep into my mind, right? Because I went from, this will never work for me. I used to think, what an amazing program this is for those people, but it's never going to work for me, right? And I'll be honest with you, I just didn't think I was worthy of it. Yeah. Inside my heart, I didn't think I was worthy of it. There was a guy who was the outside sponsor for the for the group that I belonged to in uh, in prison. His name was Greg D. And Greg used to come in every week, man, and Greg was always happy and upbeat, and Greg did time, right? And he he was like, "Man, I'm I'm just here. I'm just trying to stay sober. I'm coming back here. I want to stay sober. This is what I got to do to stay sober, man." He used to always try to give me his phone number. Now, I'm in prison, right? He's giving me his phone number, and I'm thinking, what is he after? What does he want? What's he, what's he up to, right? Never once considering the fact that I have nothing to offer anybody. I'm locked up in a cage here, right? He just wanted to stay sober. That's all he wanted to do, right? And in order to do that, he had to have his hand out to somebody else. It goes back to that Bill story yeah. that we talked about on the phone. Yeah. Where he's telling his wife, you know, I'm helping these people. You know, I'm trying to, you know, I can't, I, I try, I do what I can. I can't, yeah. I can't get them sober. I can't keep yeah. them sober. And his wife tells him, yeah, but you're sober though. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, yes, sir. Like, wow. That's when things started to click. And when yeah. I really wanted to talk to you because this is a whole different ball game for me. Yeah. So I have a lot of things that I want to learn. Sure. But it was also inspiring that you had the kind of time and that you were doing the things that you were doing. Um, when it would be it's a daily so reprieve, brother. It's a daily reprieve. Yeah. I would love to just go ahead and coast off into the sunset. But I feared that not long after I coasted off into the sunset, a martini would be in my hand. Mm -hmm. Right? It's, I have a daily reprieve contingent on my spiritual condition today. Not my spiritual condition yesterday or the day before or last week or back when I met Mother Teresa. Right? Today. Right? So I want to... I wanna, not only, I, not I want to, I guess I want to today, right? Some days people call me, you know, 
And I don't want to, my first initial thought, if somebody calls me and says, will you help me? Or will you come and speak here or do this or that? The first thing that wants to come out of my mouth is no. No, I don't want to do that, right? Because I don't want to do it a lot of times. But I have to do it, right? And just this trip. Yeah. Flying out. Yeah. And meeting, you know, you going to meet a bunch of grown men. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? There's still something a little strange about that for me yeah. you know what i'm saying like if it's somebody you haven't known your whole life sure and it would have been so easy to just grab drinks on the plane sure and get off buzz and be like hey Jeff, what's up? you know I'll, I'll be more myself i'll be more relaxed yeah you know what i'm saying but can't do that anymore you know the funny thing is is that so there are people in this room that are not on camera that know me very well right and this is this is just my life like there's always somebody you know like, that we just roll like that. That's it's how we just roll. In, you got to step out. I've, I just told myself, you got to step out of your comfort zone, yeah. man. Yeah, you got to do different you, things. Man. You can't do the same things and expect different results. And yep. that whole thing. So I was like, this is going to be a little awkward, mm -hmm. but it's all for the good. And I had to get out of self and how I'm going to feel because you're also supposed to be doing this to help some people, sure. even if it's just telling a little bit of your story. Absolutely. So, yeah. it's. Well, I can tell you this. You help some people in this room tonight. Right. See, the one thing about me is that I that I come to learn and come to understand about this thing that we got. Right. And this gift that we also have. Right. This gift of recovery. Right. I can only go into a place like a, a room full of people who are in recovery and tell them I'm a liar, a cheat and a thief. And the heads are going this way. Right. Yeah. When I go anywhere else and I tell people that they go. And they start pulling their purses closer, right? Yeah. But when I go in front, when I go in a room full of people that are trying to live this life and trying to be re in recovery, and I share the things that are uh, are not pretty about myself, right? They um, they identify, and I know that they're identifying because their heads are going this way, right? And it makes me feel at home and at peace, and it makes me feel comfortable, and it makes me feel like I'm not alone. Right. Because, you know, we're here at this opioid youth summit and tomorrow they're going to be somewhere between 5,000 and 10,000 kids. Right. And you would think in a room full of people. Right. How does one feel alone? It's like on a stage in front of 50,000 people. How could this person. What do you mean alone? What, what does that mean? It's not about being alone. It's about being alone in here and being lonely and being afraid. And, and so I want to tell you that, uh, I appreciate you coming here. I appreciate you sitting down with me. I appreciate your friendship. Um, I look forward to, um, where this relationship goes. You know, I definitely am blessed and feel honored to be a part of whatever support network or just knowing that, you know, that I'm on the other end of the phone anytime. And I appreciate it, that, that man. man. It feels it feels nice when people think you have something to offer, man. And that's that's part of the joy of recovery, right? Is you know, addiction is isolation, loneliness, separation, it's pain, it's all those things. Recovery is community, it's love, it's friendship, it's real friendship, right? It's that deep thing that you can sit down with somebody. I mean, I've sat down with people that I met five minutes ago. And just once we realize we have that commonality, mm -hmm. right? 
we both been in that sinking ship. We both were on the Titanic. He might have been on the upper deck and I might have been on the lower deck, but we were both heading to the bottom of the ocean. Yeah. Right. And we and we survived that. Right. And we're living a different life. And so there's an immediate and automatic connection. And um, yeah, man, I'm I'm blessed to to have you here and to have this conversation with you. And uh, and I appreciate you uh, letting me be a part of it. Yeah, man, this is what we do. This is what we do. This is the only way we're gonna make it. Yeah. If we don't love each other, if we don't have our hand out, if we don't embrace people and pull people up, right? There's a there's a there's a joke, um, and I'm gonna mess it up because I'm not really that good at jokes. I've been hitting head a lot. It's not even a joke. It's kind of a story, right? It's like this alcoholic is walking down the road and he falls in a hole. It's a deep hole, right? And a rabbi walks by and he says, hey, rabbi, hey, can you help me out? And he says, yeah, yeah, I'm going to pray for you. And a pastor walks by, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna, don't worry, I'm my son, I'm going to pray for you. And then another alcoholic walks by, he's like, hey, dude, can you help me out? And the alcoholic jumps in the hole with him. And he goes, what are you, crazy? What are you doing? Now we're both in this 12-foot hole. And he goes, don't worry, brother, I've been in this hole before. I know the way out, right? Like, beautiful, right? Yeah. It's like um, we have a gift. In, in your eagerness and desire to be of service is, it's beautiful. And it will, it will save your life. It will save your life, right? Uh, I have seen people get this gift and then think they're going to sit at home or in their fancy car or in their this or that, and they're just going to coast, right? It don't work that way, right? Yeah. We need to be in, we need to live a life of service. We need to be out there with our hand out. We need to be available to families that are, have loved ones struggling. We need to be we need to be available to the local priest because he don't know anything and he's got a parishioner that needs help. We just need to say yes. Yeah. We need to be the kind of people that say yes. Even though my insides always want to say no. You call my you call my wife and daughter right now. We had a whole conversation about it just two days ago in Boston. Oh, dad, he always his he always says no first, and then he just does whatever we want him to do, right? <laughs> because that was my life. Can I have, can I get, will you give me? The answer was always no, right? Whoever I was talking to, no, right? And, uh, and so that just became part of, like, do you want to go for a walk? No, I want to sit here in my room and isolate. Do you want to go out to dinner? Do you want to? And I, no, 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 no. I just want to sit right here on the couch. Can you just let me sit here and look at my stuff and leave me alone? You know, but I got to get out there and I got to be part of a community. I got to be part of, um, I got to be part of my family, right? Yeah. Bro, you like, uh, I, I think about what this gift that we have given given right we've been given the gift but we got to do the work to maintain it right what that means to the people around us right the amount of people that it affects right it's unbelievable and it's impossible to put a number on it right not just like a guy like me who might be like i might speak and do this thing and be at this opioid youth summit whatever right but just everyday guy gets sober right and he just becomes a different person and he's 
opening the door for a person or he's helping a person change a tire or he's kinder to his kids who in turn are kinder to other kids. You affect people just seeing you ah. be who you are in the grocery store. Yeah, man. You know, that's used to seeing you doing something else. Yeah. You know what I mean? My kids, I'm like, they need to see that it's okay to screw up and make mistakes mm -hmm. and hit rock bottom. They need to see, they've seen me do that, yep. but they also need to see somebody pick themselves up like yeah. straps and say, shame is a shame is a terrible thing yeah. for a child. Right. And I grew up in a home. My father was an alcoholic, you know, and there was a lot of shame around that. Right. Like I wouldn't bring my friends home because who knows what might happen. Right. And, um, he had not really, we don't, I don't think he knew that. Right. He was just trying to do the best he could with what he had. Right. He wasn't, he wasn't equipped. He wasn't equipped to face life on life's terms, right? And uh, not to mention, he had nine kids and a mortgage, and he's trying to feed us and trying to keep the lights on and do all these other things, right? And he needed something to help him cope with all that, right? But there's a lot of shame, and that is what transmits to your, your children, right? So I don't know if it's what's genetics. It's inside of you. Or it's environmental, but in your home, right? You become affected by this thing, right? It's pieces of all that. Yeah, man. And and you know what? Um, our children have an absolute opportunity to not have to live through that and to, and to, and to suffer from that. Mm -hmm. And they can heal from that, right? Kids are very resilient, right? Your children, whatever they may or may not have seen, can heal from that with a sober dad, yeah. right? Not just a dad that doesn't drink because I can suffer from alcoholism. I don't need to drink. All I need to do is just think, right? Mm -hmm. I just think I'm, it's all because of me and I'm the, I'm the reason I'm sober and I'm the blah, 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 me, 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 right? I can still be the same unhappy, miserable, lonely, isolating person, right? If I'm living a life of service, I'm fulfilled, I have a, I have joy in my heart. I have I want to say yes. I want to be a part of what's going on. My kids have never seen me drink. That's awesome. I'm so grateful. I used to be I was in prison and I used to watch all these guys and their kids coming to visit them in prison. And I used I was always so grateful that I didn't have children at that time, right? Cuz I couldn't imagine what 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 that would be like, right? And um and I'm so grateful that that, that was, has not been an experience that I've had to have, you know. And um, I don't know, brother. We're going to wrap this up. I want to uh, again say thank you. And you can hear all that noise in the background. That's the Opioid Youth Summer. We're about to get busy up in here. Party. It's a party. Yeah, it's a party. It's a sober party. Um, but thank you, man. Thank you. And, uh, yeah, man, I, I'm going to be praying for you. And I'm excited to see what, what God has in store for your life. And I'm, I'm excited for what he has in store for us together as friends, man. Yes, sir. You know? Yeah. All right, brother. Appreciate it. God bless you, man. Well, I always tell it like it is. That's the bottom line. If you just live it to exist, you are borrowed time. Don't ever let them take it so, no, no, no. Don't ever let them take it so, no, no, no. That's the bottom line. That's the bottom line. Yeah, that's the bottom that's the bottom line, that's the bottom, that's the bottom, that's the bottom.
bottom. That's the bottom line. That's the bottom.